Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Revenant, directed by Alejandro G. Iñárritu and released in 2015. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A fur trader seeks revenge after being mauled by a bear and left for dead by his own team. Yep. There was part of me when I was watching this movie that was tempted to just do the intro, say, nope. And then end the show. <laughs> my God, my God, what an endurance test this film is. It really is. Plus, we had a rather eventful uh, screening yeah. of it when a uh, man in front of us had some sort of medical emergency. Um, just after the the infamous bear attack scene. So we're not sure um, if that was a reaction to said bear attack scene, which was pretty gross. The whole thing was pretty it just, gross. It was like a whole bunch of really nice landscape shots interspersed like 15 minutes of good landscape shots interspersed with two and a half hours of gross stuff. And heavy breathing. Yeah. Oh, lots of, and capital A acting. Um, yeah, yeah. So heavy, much heavy breathing. Grunting, breathing, and that Tom Hardy's patented grunt talking that it's he does. a very strange sound design on this film because that's what I've decided to open with, sound design. Um, it's like it doesn't want you to be able to hear and understand the dialogue mm. and it like – it prioritizes other sounds and, and it's got designs on being an Altman in some ways that like that there's this opening fight that's all done in one take and presumably got nominated for a cinematography award and Oscar unlike Creed, which also has a single take fight. But anyway, um, and there's, and it's all kind of done in a way that had me sitting there thinking, Oh, they, I bet they've done this like a Robert Altman film where everybody has their lines and their bits that they have to do. And then the camera just goes where it wants to go. And it just kind of. Like it, it has designs on being greater than it is, and and therefore I don't know it if does that that sort of oh you don't not going to get to hear what everybody says. Yeah, but uh, uh, I I I don't know if it's the camera goes where it wants to. There was definitely a design there because it was like this person goes down, the camera goes up, follows the next mm, person, this that person, person shoots a horse. Yeah, 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 that sort of thing. Mm. Um, lots of violence against animals in this movie. Uh-huh. Lots of it. Um, plenty of sexism. I think, mm. pr- like, after this and Birdman, I'm pretty sure Inuritu hates women. Mm. I'm just so tired of it. Like, this movie had had three female characters on screen, I think, mm-hmm. um, for any length of time. One was fridged m- before the movie started. Yep. One was raped, and one just stood around and didn't talk. Yep, and had had her whole village destroyed and was lucky to escape Tom Hardy's Fitzgerald. Um, and they all, and as we were talking about on the way home, they all fit into the tropes of Mother Maiden and Crone. Um, the one who's fridged beforehand is Leonardo DiCaprio's wife, who is Native American. And then, oh, they're all three of them Native yeah, American. Yeah, actually, yes, all the women in this film are Native American. Um, but and then, um, then Leonardo DiCaprio's half Native son gets killed off, along with another Native man who helps him out, and like a whole bunch of people who are only not white. Only the white men survive. Yeah, only the white guys survive, and only and Leonardo DiCaprio survives against odds. Like in the after the first fight, they leave. Leave behind dudes like for way less injuries than the injuries he well, gets. No, they under, do after have the bear. A, they do have a decent reason for trying to keep him around, which is that he's the only one who he's a tracker, so he can get them home. Like he knows mm. the way around and stuff. Yeah, they do have um, a reason, but it's sort of the attention that he gets compared to like twenty other guys who get killed, some of whom probably are trackers. Just is are like, they? I don't know. We don't know anything I think about the. No, I I think they they sort of. This is the stuff that you miss in dialogue. But no. I'm pretty sure that he is their like he is their tracker. He is their guide. Um, right. and because his, because he's he was married to a native woman and has a half native son, so therefore he understands mysticism and tracking. Right, and that's his role in the group. Um, and. He gets them through a lot of stuff 
And uh, Hux is really um, grateful for that. Not his name's I not Hux, not but he's know. played by Donald Gleason. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't catch his name at all in this whole movie. Henry. So Captain I was Henry. He I was calling him Hux the whole movie, he was even called, though he's nothing like yeah. Donald Gleason as Hux. They I call was still him calling him Hux. Captain um, the whole time, and he's clearly sort of the person in charge. And he has a less rural accent than Tom Hardy's character. Yeah, and there's something about his daddy buying him a um, position. So yeah, uh, some, because something about the father was his father was a doctor, so he um. Yeah, yeah, that something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was clearly better off than a lot of the other ones were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had well tailored coats. So. Mm. And he looked pretty good in this movie too, Domino. Yeah, he looks good in a nicely tailored coat. Yeah, I'm all for it. The tall, skinny redhead. And he was, you know, nice as opposed to yeah. like ninety percent of the characters in this movie who were horrible. And even um, Leo's character, who I never really attached to in any no, significant I way. Either. Um, I I'm not a great DiCaprio fan. I have no dog in the fight of him getting an Oscar, although I don't really think he deserves it for this or for any of the other things he's been nominated for yet. I think they're... Um, I just want them to give him the Oscar so that we can move on. Oh, so people stop going on about it? Yeah. yeah. That, that might might be... Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that there's pretty much no way he can't get it this year. Yeah. Um. So that's good. I guess that will be over with. Yeah, there's no... I don't think there's anybody who uh, has a role that can compete with, oh yeah, I survived everything ever and then mm-hmm. like decided not to kill my foe. And and okay. Well, <laughs> I just decided goes- not to kill my foe, but I did see a tribe of native people just down the stream who had a grudge against him and so I shoved him into the freezing cold water after he'd suffered multiple stab wounds. But yeah. I didn't it, actually kill him myself. Revenge is in God's hands, so I'll just float him God's sli- hands. Float him, I'll just float him like a tiny bit further down the river so that those guys can do it. Oh my god. And like okay. Before anybody gets on at us, I understand that this is not meant to be taken literally and that uh, he may not have ever, like, he may have died and that's the whole thing about him being the revenant and all that sort of stuff. Or it may never have happened, yeah. Um, But regardless of that, we still had to watch him try and survive for two and a half hours. We still had to watch him fall off cliffs into trees and be like, nah, I'm fine, I'll just walk it off and taunt on this horse. And he made some terrible decisions as well. Like, I'm no survivalist nor camping person, but I know what not to do around a bear. And he... (laughs) Shoot it? Yeah, he pokes the bear. Like... He did not literally, but he keeps doing things to attract the bear's attention. So she comes back to him twice more. She's yeah. got cubs, right? You see cubs in the in the forest with a bear. You steer clear of that. Yeah. Even I know that. Yeah. But not only does he not steer clear, he tries to shoot the cubs, and then the mother attacks no, him. I don't think he does try to shoot the cubs. I think he saw the cubs he and went, "Oh shit, it. the mother's around here right. somewhere." And then the mother and then looks around. Yeah, mother comes and gets him. Sure, the first time it's all fine, and he seems to get out of it by playing dead. But then he gets up too quickly, and she sees him again, and she's like, "Nope, he ain't dead. I got to go for that one more time." Mm-hmm. And then when he, we just think he's not quite injured enough. He moves just enough so that she knows that he's there, and then finally, in the final, because kind of time she attacks. Him, he manages to get her over a little mini cliff thing and kill her. Like mm-hmm. it's it's the central like impetus for the rest of his story. But the whole thing had me just going, "You idiot! Why mm-hmm. are you doing that?" And there were other bad decisions as well. Like he's hiding. Um, he's on his own after having been left for dead, and he sees a, another tribe of native people coming, and he hides. But then he gets into the water. 
the water that must be like only a few degrees above zero because it's snowing outside. And somehow he survives like this long journey in the water attached to a log. In in the rapids. In the, the okay, yeah, he goes down rapids and a waterfall. But it's okay. He just walks it he off. He hangs onto a log. By the way, he walks it off at that point. At, 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 so after the bear attack, his foot is half hanging off, right? Like his, his leg is broken so bad mm. that his foot is like hanging at an awkward angle. By the end of the movie, he's running on it. He never gets this treated at any point. But by the end of the movie, he's running it's on it. It's healed enough that – well, I mean, he, he finds the um, the noble savage to treat him, the, the magical native man who treats him, treats mm-hmm. his infections anyway on his back. Um, and so apparently that fixes it. But the whole thing where he's in that freezing cold water, hanging on to a, like a bit of wood, much like his character in Titanic, and we know he died, um, he hangs <laughs> on to this piece of wood for ages, gets out into the snow – and like manages to light a fire or whatever, but miraculously, like a couple of hours later, all of his clothes are dry and he's fine and has had no ill effects from being in the zero degree water. Yeah, no, of course, he just he just survives the most ridiculous things. Yeah, in and this then movie. there's the bit where the where he and his horse ride off a cliff and fall into a tree, which he survives and the horse doesn't, and then he has to taunt on the horse to survive. It's it's, I mean, this movie is so gross. It's like so so gory. Um, mm. to the point where you're like, how come this movie can get away with that, but so many other movies can't get away with it? Like, how come you guys give this a free pass? Is it because it's realistic? Mm. There's a bit where he cauterizes his neck, and his neck has, like, been scratched up so much that, like, air is going out of it, which is part of his grunty breathing thing. And, like, when he tries to drink water, it comes out his neck and blood mm. comes back out his mouth. So he cauterizes it with, like, gunpowder. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, really? Well, Really? It's so I don't know. I, I've seen the cauterizing with gun cap powder thing before. Obviously, yeah. that bothered you and didn't bother me. But it, the post bear attack, where like you can see how you can see the outlines of his spine hanging out of his back, kind of he's so badly injured, it's just disgusting. And that's the point at which the gentleman in front of us had whatever medical emergency he had. And I think he, I don't know if he fainted or not, but something went wrong. And I, I'm not surprised because at that point I had to put my popcorn down and I never went back to it. <laughs> it was pretty gross. <laughs> That one didn't bother me as much. I don't know. Mm. I don't know it, why. It, it's, what I it, think it's, the, it's just the fact whatever that Whatever your neck. personal um, gross out is, there'll be something that gets you. There's a buried alive scene. There are – there's like really at the end his um, his lips have been so exposed to cold that they're just like crusty sores. That That's pretty gross if, if that gets you. Um, there's also his, Choose fight, your own adventure. his final fight with Tom Hardy, the boss battle, mm. is basically five minutes of them just like – wrestling while stabbing each other in little like giving little stabs to each other slowly and mm. you're like why what are you guys doing but both of them have put down <sighs> their guns and then finally the tom hardy by the way at the end of this fight calmly totally normally just has a couple of lines of dialogue mm. about how like well enjoy your vengeance because you're never going to get your son back and you're like this is this you're not even hurt enough to yeah. like for this to be painful to say <laughs> like mm. And he just keeps taunting him and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Would you just stop already? Mm. Nothing and at this, in this point, feels- it's been so long. I looked at my clock like six or seven times. Basically, I had it on. I had my phone on my lap for the last like hour of the movie like, and was just looking at it every 15 minutes. Every half hour, maybe every 20 minutes, I would look at my watch and be like, we're not done yet. We still have so much more to go. Yeah. It would have been – I didn't get my phone out until 2 p.m., which oh, – by which stage we have been in there. was my first look at the clock, which is about the time there was that medical emergency, but also only about half an hour in. 
No, it was it was two it was two o'clock by the time I looked at it, and I can't remember what it was. There was a particular point where I reached breaking point, and I was like, I have to find out how much longer we have because this is insane. Mm. Um, and I don't remember exactly what moment that was, but I was getting really irritated with. I was, I was just really, really tired of it. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't concentrate. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't in the best mood to see this movie today. Anyway, I'm really tired and I'm not feeling well. We both look. This came out four weeks ago or more. There, there's a reason we're only seeing it now we both had to psych ourselves up for this and we're only really watching it because we know it's going to win best picture yeah and so we psyched ourselves up to see it and it it was exactly as we expected it to be yeah a violent dreary man focused horrible to women well i mean it is very much about what it means to be a man like there's a reason why they had that you know that rape scene that Mm. leo saved the girl from and all that sort of stuff it's all about what you should do if you're a good man and what you shouldn't do if you're a good man and all that sort of stuff and and you know what you should do if you're a good boy growing into a man and what that means and all that sort of stuff it's just it's boring well it's so long it's so long and and just it's such hard work and how come women and femininity never fit into any of this? Right. Like, when you're like discussing women, masculinity, surely you need to discuss masculinity in the context of there being something else other than masculinity. And but all women do in this movie, like, I mean... The, they give the, birth, they're young enough to have sex with, or they're old and need to be protected. That is literally all they do. But also the the um the his, the his visions of his wife, the magical visions of his wife mm. that give him strength and keep him going oh, and all God. that sort of stuff, you know? It's just And that's, again, endless. that's like noble savage, magical Negro type tropes there because she's a native woman and yeah. apparently magical and all. Plus we also get Christian imagery just to... You know, put oh, yeah. the icing on the is cake. That whole, yeah, the whole bit where there's that random old church. That, yeah. yeah. And his son and he looks well, like uh, Jesus. And he also has a whole baptism bit, of course, where he goes into the water and comes out again and that's when he really starts yep. fighting. And there's that like, that Tom Hardy story about God being a squirrel. Yes, yes. Which, which I was, was really good, actually. Like, the, the thing about Tom Hardy in this movie is really good. Yeah. Because you really hate him. <laughs> But also, if anyone deserves the Oscar out of this, it's probably him. I think he's got like a, a clause in his contract that like he won't appear in a movie if more than half his dialogue is understandable, mm. um, because his accent is so thick in this. But at the same time, he's still like he he is much much more powerful but than it's, Leo is. It's spot on with like a whole bunch of Brits playing Americans in this. His accent is spot on and never slips, and he actually it actually sounds to my non-American ears, correct to the his period the period in his class and all well, that. Well he sounds thing. like John Travolta in um in hairspray. That's the accent. The that Baltimore Oh right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um that's what yeah. the accent sounds like anyway. Well, so that doesn't doesn't sound like that to me. But to me it was more of a cowboy frontiersman kind of thing. But yeah. There were certain no there were certain vowel sounds that sounded very Baltimore-esque. Um, mm. I don't know. There was I'm not an expert. And, but and I also think uh, I, I, I think most of the Brits acquit them, acquitted themselves okay with their mm. accents. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson sounds so different in this movie to Star Wars, like so different. And mm. uh, and Will Poulter did fine. Yeah. Um, he, he was good, actually. He's got a good face. Right. He's just got such a good yeah, face, that kid. I mean, we, I've only think I think seen him in um, Maze Runner and he was really, that was a good character because mm. he, he has Gally. to... Yeah, he has. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. He played Bridger. Galley in, in Maze Runner. Oh, right. He's Bridger in this. Yeah, Bridger um, in but, this. But he, 
you know, he's got to carry off some complicated stuff. Like he's got this much more powerful, terrifying bully of a man who is telling him what to do, but he also has his own, he's fighting his own conscience and he's stuck out here in no man's land and his friend has been murdered. But oh, yeah, it just, like, it's a really, it's, he's got a lot to negotiate there. And then when he gets back to civilization, suddenly all the rest of them turn on him when his evil friend runs away. Mm hmm. His friend, his person that has adopted his, him his as bully. a friend, his, yeah, yeah, his bully. Sorry, that um, was what I meant to say. Yeah, and but that's the thing is that Tom Hardy really is—he does this really well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very effective in this role, and I think much probably the most effective out of anybody in the cast. Mm. Um, he really kind of. Um, he has a real air of menace about him and mm. and he's really kind of scary and you don't know what he's going to do and mm-hmm. he's such a jerk. But you can also kind of see his motivations for doing things. Yeah. And you can see the fear in him and the things that have happened in the past and stuff like that. Um, mm. Super violent. God, this movie's so violent. Yeah. I mean, there's also the bit where he, what's it called? Scalps. scalps um, Hux. Yeah, he scalps Donald Gleason's character. Yeah, and even like there's a we talked we touched on before. There's a rape scene, which is of course carried out by the French because <laughs> we may be bad, so but we have standards. We're not as bad as the French. Except that we go back to their sort of camp where they're living, and there's this scene in a, in a tavern where all these men are sitting around drinking, and a whole bunch of poor native women are just kind of sitting there looking horribly uncomfortable with white men's arms around them. So maybe the the uh, English speakers don't show their rapes on camera, but they're just as bad as the French. But you know, because you see the French rape on camera. There's also one Brit playing a Brit in this movie. Yeah, just one guy with a British accent. You're like, okay. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's set. I read later in the 1820s. So it's a time when, you know, America was still establishing itself. So there would have been lots of Brits around and yeah. whatnot. But it's just, it's odd to have so many Brits playing Americans and then just have the one guy with a British accent. Well, yeah, we, like- ke- we just keep noticing that. I mean, I think it feels like Hollywood is just made up now of actors from other countries. Yeah, there are a there lot. There are a lot. And it, I mean, it's, you know, as an as Australians, it's kind of exciting because it means that heaps of Australians have opportunities. But well, it's as, sort as long of as funny. they're white, yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, they're oh, not Australian... nominating Oscar Isaac for anything. Yeah, and and uh, the Australian actors who go to Hollywood as well, particularly the women, are all like tall and blonde and like um, ice queen type women. Like you know, they're very um, posh types. Anyway, uh, um, but yeah, there's and a... the men all look like Joel Edgerton and Jay Courtney and stuff. Yeah, they yeah, all muscly, um, tall types. Um, but for, for whatever reason, Hollywood likes them. I guess they, they're cheap. Um, or if you've got to work so hard to, to get there in the first place, maybe you, you know, willing to work a bit harder or get, you know, I don't know. I think there's something. also something about them looking like the American ideal while a lot of Americans don't look like it anymore. Mm. You know, like they look like American movie stars from the past. Right. A much whiter and, um, blonder and, yeah. and, uh, but also, don't like they're not as uh like hollywood with the, the shiny teeth, teeth and, and the, the yep. tan skin and stuff mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's an interesting concept more interesting than this movie was apparently because we're delving into it because <laughs> we've gone off on that tangent random. i i thought there were so many times when i was watching this movie and i was comparing it to other things mm-hmm. it was one point where i was like oh look it's the really hardcore good dinosaur <laughs> We the half the fun was that we were able to whisper to each other during it because God. But this story does have a really similar storyline to the Good Dinosaur. Right, I know. As soon as I saw the river, I was like, "Follow the river that will get you home." Oh, that's another thing about this movie that really, like, that I couldn't figure out the geography of this movie at all mm. because oh, first they were heading west, and they were heading south, and they were heading east, and 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 he somehow and- they all made it home, and and the the other team had to go over the mountain, yeah, and then he had to go through the forest. 
And that he goes in a totally different direction to them. Mm. And then there's like, he goes a long well, way. He sails down the river as well, essentially, on his bit of driftwood. And, yeah. and, but the whole point at the beginning is that they ditch their boat because going down the river won't help them. But he also happens to run into the French and also the Re. Who they've run into. Yeah. And then, and then at the end of the movie, uh, there's a Frenchman who comes into the camp and then the camp goes out and finds, um, finds glass. Is it glass? Yeah, glass. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in no time, apparently, because well, Leonardo like DiCaprio had moved away. from where he was. Mm. And you're like, what is happening? With this? How is all of this working? It was How very pretty. It- the geography was very pretty. I think it was done to like design so that they could have the prettiest um, scenes because there are right. sometimes where partly it's Leo on his own and partly it's Leo and his native friend where they camp in like these little copses of trees which are completely because it's the middle of winter there's no leaves on the trees or anything so they're completely visible to anyone who Mm. comes from miles around and you're just like again i know nothing about survival and camping but that does not seem like the place to set up camp well he didn't have a choice the little copse of trees one because that's where leo fell off his horse and then he builds the tent around him And then nobody checked in the tent to see if there was anybody in there. No, and then they and they just lynched the lynched him yeah. from a tree. Just but this is why you can tell the French are worse because they lynch native people rather than just shooting them dead. Yeah, yeah. No, the French are the French are the bad and guys. And they and they put a sign um, on him about how he's a sauvage. I also had um some like that songs from Hamilton went through my head a couple ah. of times when I was watching it and stuff like oh. that. I don't know. There was a lot of things that I kept thinking about while I was watching no, it. Other I, things I, that I liked hard better. To, it's hard to look at like white people's view. Of American history anymore after Hamilton, it's yeah. it kind of completely changes your perspective on things. And I think in this film, I think they thought they were doing the right thing by the native people in the cast. Like I think they thought that they were giving you know a balanced view because we do go into the native camp and we see why you know the Pawnee and then the other tribe. I mean, the, they're just like trying to live their lives, and then these white fur trappers are just coming in and taking all of the animals that they would use for meat and other things just to get and their And also pelts. the chief's daughter, not a good idea, but that was actually the French yep. who they were friends with. So you can see, like, so there is a little bit of, and there's even a line, I think, about how the white man took everything from us, including yeah. our land. Um, So I think the film thinks it's being sympathetic to those characters, but it's still very much the white man's perspective. Like, mm. there's no sort of questioning of the fact that the white men have a, a, a right to be there and set up a village that has gates on it and that only allows like white people in unless they're women in which case they're coming in to get raped by the other white men like it it seemed it's still got that very that sort of position i think it thinks it's it's a little bit edgy and i think i said to you in the car on the way home maybe like 30 years ago maybe pre um un, unforgiven sort of back in the old days of westerns this movie would have been seen as progressive well but see, it just if they wanted to make nowadays. the movie progressive they should have just made leo's role not be a white guy if they wanted well, they, to make the film progressive, he should have been a Native American character. Right. The last thing we need to see is another view of white people going out into land that isn't theirs and being attacked by the people who own the land, who have lived there for generations, and having them be, appear as the bad guys. And mm. it still kind of makes it appear like the Native people are the bad guys for attacking well, everybody's people. everybody's the bad guys in this movie except for Leo, Leo. and Hux and Leo's yeah, son. and like for being, you know, for attacking people for perfectly legitimate reasons, like being on their land and taking all their food. Mm. Like it just it's not at all edgy or interesting or any – it's not a new take on that either. Well, it's not is, a new take on the frontier. But that's what Inuritu is doing. Birdman was really conservative too. I mean, these are not – these are very conservative movies that he's making. I'm re- actually really interested in that too because – 
like he's a Mexican director. So you think he he's grown up in a country that's like been invaded by the English, the French, the Spanish. Like it's he's he would think he would understand this in a more nuanced way, but he has been making a series of films that are all about white guy heroes and white guys winning. Mm. And it's I I'm, I sort of wonder why, especially when you look at like he and his two best pals, Alfonso Cuarón and Guillermo del Toro, who were branching out into more in- who mm. do things that are a little bit more interesting than I that. I mean, Alfonso Cuarón did Gravity, which at least had a woman in the lead, um, but was mm. basically the same story as this in space. Mm. Yes, a woman yes, in the lead. it totally But I is. found it much, much easier to watch. Um, it yeah, moves big faster. It's more exciting. There's there's more you cool things to her. look at. You root for her, and and you have a reason to root for her. You know, she's really rooting for herself. She's really trying to do this. Mm-hmm. Whereas Leo, it just seems like is is doing it because he has. Like I, I he doesn't have a choice. It just, and it also just smacks of like Leo trying to be a serious actor. Like, well, there's also there was this whole thing where I was like, oh, so, sure. So his wife gets shot once and she dies. His son gets stabbed once and he dies. But Leo survives everything because he's just better. Gunshots, stabbings, mauling by a bear, uh, exposure. Falling he's, off cliffs. Yeah, he survives all of that and, and for no good reason. The other people who die Because well, he was never really alive. Any best. Yes, well, apparently that's some theory. I know. And, and yeah, and I also just get the feeling of him like, trying so hard to win Oscars now. Like, he just he does these movies that he thinks are worthy. And some are f***ing terrible. Like, um, that one last year, the Wall Street one, that apparently they've remade this year as the big short. Um, awful. <laughs> I didn't and see it. it's Scorsese. And I have, in the past, liked a lot of Scorsese stuff, but this was awful. Um, but he it just kind of smacks of trying too hard. Mm. And that that doesn't win me over either, as, as someone who wasn't already in Team Leo. No, I've never really been in Team Leo. No. He's kind of I'm greasy. I'm much and more in t- Team Tom Hardy, to mm. be honest. Or I'm even and or Team Matt Damon, which is who as you, at the end of it you said he looks like Matt Damon here, <laughs> and my first thought was yeah, and an equal number of people have had to die to bring him home. Yeah, bring him home. <laughs> Every time I see that poster, I start <laughs> oh, singing the song God. in my and, head. And last week when I was reading out the Oscar nominations, and I called it "Bring It Home" because that is what is on the poster. Yeah, um, mm. yeah, I know. I mean, like The Martian, I had problems with, but I enjoyed it a lot more than this movie. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I honestly, you know, Mad Max Fury Road easily the best of any of the Oscar movies we've seen, and mm. the fact that it's not going to win annoys me because it was much more interesting than this movie and much more edgy. It's try exactly. It's trying something new. Yeah. This and some of the other nominees, like um, oh that Tom Hanks one that we watched. Oh yeah, Bridge of Spies one. Yeah, they're not doing anything interesting or new. Well, I don't like you, you know the Oscars. They're not nominating the best films anymore if they're going to nominate something as mediocre as Bridges right, and, and the Oscars just, it's so should be, mediocre. And the Oscars should be a place where something that's a bit arty and a bit different gets a yeah, chance. Yeah, well, at least Birdman was that, even if yeah. it is conservative in, right. the, in the extreme. Yeah, yeah. it was a ultimately. movie about movies and actors and all that sort but of stuff. But at least it was doing something, like it had a commentary that it was trying to do and it had mm. – um, themes that were somewhat interesting and, and you know, it did something different with the camera work and mm. stuff like that. Whereas this one's just like, look how pretty things are and stuff. And and actually, 
I I was expecting it to be prettier. I think because people had told me mm. how pretty it is, so I went into it expecting that, and I was like, well, it's really grey. I did actually think it was quite pretty. There were a lot of shots that probably were held a moment too long, especially in a two and three quarter hour movie, where I was like, wow, that is gorgeous, or oh, I bet they picked that location just so they could get that shot, or oh, isn't that a cute lens flare? Like I did actually think it was pretty, and it yeah, was well I shot. Some and- of it was pretty, but I was expecting it because Mad Max Fury Road was so good looking, like. That movie is so gorgeous that I I guess I just have a higher bar for pretty movies now. But I mean, I think uh, Fury was e- easily as pretty as this movie. Yep, Fury. Uh, the 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 way that this was shot reminded me a bit of Fury, and I was like, but Fury yeah, is pre- lots it's just of as pretty. Handheld, gory stuff. Um, blood on the camera, breathing on the camera. Type that stuff. really bothered me because, and and it didn't doesn't bother me so much in other movies that are set now or in the future. Um, Children of Men came to mind when I got annoyed with the breath on the camera and the blood on the camera, and I was like, why am I annoyed with this movie for doing it and not for Children of Men? And I think it's because cameras exist in the period that Children of Men was made, right? But cameras don't exist in this period. Yeah, so I'd... for me, it breaks the fourth wall because it's calling attention to the oh. fact that there is a camera here. I'm not sure I agree with you on that, but because I actually liked that and I thought it suited the style but I know you had a lot more problems with the camera being right up in there than I did because I know it doesn't bother me if it was right up in there but he didn't breathe on it I wouldn't mind it but it's really calling attention to the the fact that there's a camera there Mm. like and and that is that is fourth wall breaking. Yeah. I Whereas know, in Children's Men, you're sort of like, oh, I can see somebody following them around with a camera watching this happen. I, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't actually bothered by that. I actually thought it was good and I thought it worked. And, you know, it also kind of gives you – you can imagine his perspective as seeing the bear. Because the first time you see it is the bear does it. And the second time you see it, it's Leo's character who does it. And then and then in that last fight, there is blood on the camera. And that I don't know. I, I was never bothered by that. That worked fine for me. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's just the fact that it, like, the, the only thing this movie really had going, f- well, one of the things this movie had going for it for me was that it looked like it was set in the period, like everything mm. was very kind of realistic to the period. Their teeth were bad. <laughs> yeah, I noticed um, that. That was actually quite well done. And the hair and stuff. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio has gross hair anyway, so it wasn't too hard for him to have gross hair and beard. I feel kind of bad. Because, I mean, he seems like a nice guy by all accounts. Well, but, man, the, the, the hair and uh, he, yeah, yeah, his hair is always but, greasy. And, but, like, yeah, but this is a man who... We're going to get and, so many fans who are just and like, And we, we stayed about? all the way through the credits, by the way. He has, in this movie, five assistants, a personal hairdresser, a personal chef, a personal makeup person, a personal costumer. Like, Inuritu also gets, like, six credits, by yeah. the way, in the credits. Yeah, yeah. You see but his like, name, like, six times. You're like, okay, I get it. So, I also have, like, just sort of smacks of like a movie star who's completely lost touch with reality when you have that many assistants and that many people kind of trying to help you look that way and all that kind of thing. But Which yeah, is hilarious because he looks terrible. But but yeah, no, for co- costume and makeup, I can actually see why they would get the nominations that they've got and get the, the credit Plus, that Plus costuming got. was a woman, so... Yeah, so like well, one co- of the only ones. Costuming in the almost always used. There's a there's a woman um doing some of the scoring, I think as well. The music, not all of it, but there was some additional music that's. That- no, the additional music was a dude's name. I'm pretty sure because it was two. There were two names, and then plus one additional of which music was Japanese. by yeah, one of which was Japanese. Um, I didn't see that name ending ko, so I'm assuming. Well, I mean, the, it, it's possible, but I didn't feel like it was a female name that was the Japanese one. But anyway, um, no, I, oh, there weren't. Bryce Destner. I just assumed that was a female name because. Oh, really? I thought I assumed it was a dude's name. It sounds like such a frat boy name to me. Oh, Bryce. I was like Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, that's the only other Bryce I know. 
no, so, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a total frat boy name. We should look that up to see if Bryce Dessner is a I'm looking this up right woman. now. This is like there's a, there's a movie directed by a yarn somebody who we thought was a Jan and therefore was directed by a woman, but it is not. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just... I, I was so frustrated and bored with this movie that I just It's didn't not, I can't care tell from my MDB. Um, and there's so, why are there so many movies at the moment that are the same thing? Why are we so into survival movies all of a sudden? Yeah, because there's this and there's Hateful Eight, which seems to cover a lot of the same ground. Well, toxic, that's a snowy kind of Western snow, movie. Snow, Western, toxic masculinity. Good dinosaur. Revenge. Yeah, good dinosaur has a bit of this in it. There's I a mean, lot well, of this I stuff think, going around at the I moment. I think there's an interesting case for movies at the moment that examine toxic masculinity. I'm all for it because it's something that – and but toxic this doesn't, whiteness. This doesn't examine toxic, toxic masculinity. It just is it. Yeah. And this is the thing, like – I think there's like Greece when we were talking about Greece the other day, like the Wolf of Wall Street and the Big Short. It yeah, it just shows the toxic masculinity and the toxic white supremacy, Mm. and it doesn't get through and examine it. Now I think it's possible the people behind the films think they're examining it, and it's possible that the people working on the films are examining it, but that doesn't come across in exactly the same way as a film. Yeah, it doesn't come across when you're watching it in any way, especially when you kill off all the. any of the native male characters who have lines and treat the native female characters in it. Or Not any all of them. The fe- There's that one guy who's P- Puakwa's dad that survives. Right. and, and By killing t- Tom Hardy. Yeah. And the way it treats the women and the native women, and they're all native women as well. Like you just, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't add anything to that There's discussion. There's something also really upsetting about how the white dudes always attack when they're always, are always on the defensive, but the... Re and the native people are always attacking on the offensive and also are attacking people who can't possibly fight back a lot of the time. Yeah. Like whenever they come across Leo, they just start going for him. And you're like, this guy has no weapons. He has nothing. He's injured. And every time you see him, you're just going after him. Mm. And they did the same with Tom Hardy. They just kill him even though he's been half killed already. That, yeah, it didn't make like, sense. None of that made sense. Especially when we've seen that tribe before, it did, wouldn't make sense that they would see someone. Firstly, that they would know immediately that this was the guy who would cause them trouble. No, but he's a white guy, so they just kill him. But they don't and, – and Leo has rescued the daughter from a rapist. But that, that doesn't make that. sense either because we like we only see – yeah, it doesn't make sense. But why are they friends yeah. with the French, who are the people who kidnapped the girl in the first place? Mm. But they but they attack all the other ones on site. And how come they don't? Why do they assume that Leo is a threat and not maybe one of their French friends? Like it just sort of it's it's so odd. And they, they are just always on the attack. You know, mm. like they see him and they immediately start attacking, yeah, but- even though he's absolutely no threat to them at right. that point. And- Although he is, he does shoot some of them when he runs gets away from the right um, when he escapes them. But they come across him like you know, on the ground, mm. asleep, and they start shooting at him. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It, well, rather, it's a really racist way of portraying people. It is, because it is, like, they should, They, I mean, they talk about them being the ones to the defending their land, but they're always the ones attacking first, mm-hmm. always. Um, and yeah, that's and in really... that way, it's no different from the old Westerns, the old cowboys and Indians stuff. Yeah. And that that's what I'm, I mean, it's very conservative and it just doesn't add anything. It doesn't question the genre. It doesn't add anything to discussions about the American frontier, which again, the American frontier is an interesting thing to examine, especially when you link it to toxic masculinity and white supremacy and how they've come down to us now. Mm. Like that's fascinating. And I think I would like to see it done well and thought about 
but nobody's even thinking about it. No, they're thinking about the spirit of vengeance and mm. what it means to be a man and all the, that yeah, sort of Yeah, it's, stuff it's all about being a man, but they never really think about, like, whether that's a good thing. Right. Or, or where, how and, to and, make that a good and thing. The, and the property rights as well. Like and if you are if you are a good man, then you deserve, then you die, mm-hmm. basically. Like if or you, try you and go help. through hell. Like, yeah. If you are, well, Leo, I don't know how good a man Leo really was, but Oh, he was so noble. He married a native woman. But, like, Hux was a good guy, yep. so he has to die. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawk seemed to be a decent kid, so he has to die. So, you, you know, like, if you mm-hmm. are – and then Bridger gets punished as well, but he's a white kid, so. Um, mm. But, you know, they, they get punished for doing the right thing. If you're good, then you get punished, so you have to be tough. But, you know, just, yeah. I don't know. It's just frustrating. Yep. And boring. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. You were going to say something interesting a minute ago and I forgot. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was in the middle of a thought and I kept talking yeah, about yeah. it and I thought you might come back to it. Um, um, yeah, no, it's all right. Keep talking. I might come back to it. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. It just like for all the uh, all the praise that this is getting, it's just going to be another film that wins where it's all about white men mm. again and not just about white men but like aggressively about white men surviving mm-hmm. everything yep. and the hu- triumph of the human spirit as long as it's the white male human spirit. Yeah, and, oh, property rights. That's what I was going to say. Oh right. Yeah, um it it's not doesn't touch on it quite as much, but there is that whole American frontier thing of the white guys just going out there as though the land is not occupied and they are entitled to claim it and then when they do, you know, claim a patch of land instead of, you know, thinking that maybe this land actually belongs to, you know, the people we can see right over there who are here, they just claim it and then they aggressively defend their property rights. So it's not just about defending masculinity and whiteness. It's about the way that like they use property rights to back that up, like contracts and, and money and things like that to kind of back up their ownership of the land. Right. And even Domhnall Gleeson talks about shooting some uh, some well, there, civilization someone, into um, those savages. Uh, the Frenchman arrives at the gate and he's and they say there's a white man at the gate. Mm. Yeah, so obviously- yeah, I know, but I think that they're trying to actually examine racism when yeah. they do things like that. But then there's so many examples of racism, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and so many um, native people dying. Yeah, in service of the white man's story. Okay, mm. let's just wrap this up. I want to say like a two and a half or a three because I didn't like it, but it was relatively well put together. So maybe like a two and a half because that's a pass, but it's not like. Not something I would recommend to a friend. I'm just going to give it two stars because I didn't. I mean, I know there were things that were good about it, but I didn't enjoy it enough to give it anything else. Like, I just, it was such a difficult thing to have to watch. It was such a difficult movie to sit through. And there's so many things about it that were frustrating or, or just so over the top that you're like, this doesn't even fit into realism. There were so many times I just laughed. Yes. At things like what we're the horse, funny. the horse going over the cliff is one of them. We both cracked up then. It just, yeah, but, and the bear as well. Like the, some of the bits with the bear were just so funny, so well, stupid no, they were laughing. So it's, it gets to the point where it's so over the top with this survival story that you just can't, there's not even realism in it anymore. And no. they're going so hard for realism that you're like, but it isn't realistic yeah. either. And, and then if you, if you aren't going for realism and you think, oh, he might be a spirit the whole time, then why do we have to watch him try and survive everything? Mm. And if you aren't going for realism and he's a spirit the whole time, then how come all of the people have to sit into their neat little uh, social roles and stuff? I mean, it's just... Yeah, it's so full of cliches and tropes as well. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Hux, sorry, I can't... I've got to stop doing that. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson um, talks about his wife back home and you're like, oh, he's going to die No, he talks about his wife and then they say, we'll meet back here. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's so dead. Yeah, exactly. And he dies in a stupid way too. Yeah. Like he's not even looking around for Tom Hardy, oh. and he just shoots him. And uh, everything—the <laughs> buried alive, the um, 
the hero who can survive shots and stabbings and everything else. I mean, he's basically a superhero. Right. It, like, it just it's, so it's, it's to like Fast and Furious type mm. thing, but it's taking it so, itself so seriously. At least Fast and Furious doesn't take itself seriously. Mm. Like this, is, this movie is taking itself so seriously. And so are we supposed to take it seriously as well when he falls off a cliff, falls into a tree and he's fine? Like, yeah. no, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, two stars. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find our show notes or read or old read our show notes or find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. Go listen to our Mad Max Fury Road episode and watch Mad Max again because you'll be happier. Yeah. Or Star Wars, which The Force <laughs> Awakens. I now want to go and see Star Wars as a palate cleanser. I want to see Star Wars again so bad. Yeah. Um and also if you want to find us on social media, we are on Facebook. Uh, just search for Silver Screen Queens. We're on Twitter at screen underscore queens and we're on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com and if you want to read Katie's review of The Revenant when she gets to it or any other movies that she watches, you can find that on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.